Hey, and welcome to the podcast. Um, the day or two podcast, my name is Mette Vilby Hansen. Um, you can call me Hansen. Um, I have recently been, to- been talking with Rachel Hifkost here on the podcast. Um, a really great conversation. We got to talk about something I have not yet talked a lot about, um, but that I am beginning to dive deep into because it is something that um, is close to my heart as... I'm a human being and it is something we live with every day Um, and it is just something that has always been kind of on the radar of what I interest me what what interests me um, but I've not like had the knowledge to um, put words onto it or I haven't been like represented in school for things on a deeper level that I wanted it to, so that's what I'm doing, um, or trying to do at least on this podcast, and especially on this episode, um, talking with Rachel Havekost. Um, I saw her one day on TikTok, and kind of fell in love with what she do, and um, yeah, what she does. Um, she has these dance videos, and it was just so obvious for me, I'm sharing this in the podcast as well, but it was so obvious for me when I began to um, like explore or discover her and what she do, that how she used dance as a healing is such a great tool for refle- reflection and learning and education, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, like having this Me Too experience of like, um, what's it called, being, yeah, relatable. Um, and uh, so yeah, that's um, that's what this episode's about. And we are talking about how dance has influenced her, how she has used it to like as a tool to um, heal and to yeah put energy out into the world and like release energy and stuff. So that's really interesting for me. One of the might be one the might be the best um, episode I've had so far, but also because I'm more grown as a person myself, um, and so yeah, I can really feel that this is something that I'm getting more invested in, um, and I'm because I as well has more knowledge about it and um, become more mature, just trusting in what I believe and uh, what I want to do and. Um, being more confident than that. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. Um, and then I'll just start the podcast. Let's go. <laughs> Better now? Yes. Yes. Sorry about that. Okay. Nice to meet you. Um, sorry, I'm a few minutes late. I was like, for some reason I thought we were meeting on Google Meet. So I was like, just waiting on Google thinking. Yeah, I was. I think we're on Zoom. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about that, so I I also uh, thought about messaging you, but um, then I gave you a couple of minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but uh, that's good. Great you found out. Um, but yeah, glad to have you here. So so that's really cool. Um, how are you? I'm good. I'm um I'm back in Edinburgh, which is like it's just really nice to be in the city. Yeah, uh, it's r- just great to be able to wake up and go walk outside and there's people um mm. and I'm realizing how much of a difference that makes for just my overall mood and um 
yeah, so I'm, I'm happy to be, be here. Yeah. Yeah. I certainly yeah. understand that. It makes a difference when you're, when you are in a bigger city or around in a more, um, yeah, <laughs> city with yeah. more people. Yeah. That uh, it is. Um, yeah. But yeah, thank you for being on here. There's your podcast. Um, yeah, I first. think you just get right into it. I am having Rachel Hickhurst on today. Um, and uh, Rachel um, is a healing storyteller. Just going to give you an introduction so that you know like what she's doing most of. Um, she you know, She's an author and she has written a book um, that's named Where the River Flows. It's a memoir of loss, love, and life with an eating disorder, which is a really beautiful one. I must say that I haven't read the full one yet, um, but I've begun it um, with the first chapter and two that you've been sharing. Um, yeah, so that's really... Um, it is um, it's special to read, um, and you do... You have uh, some journals and workbooks as well on your website. So, uh, yeah, that's some pretty um, amazing things that I think you do. Um, I think that, um, well, when I first, I found you um, a couple months back um, because I have just graduated from gymnasium or high school and I've been struggling with some with some things and have begun to back to therapy again um but when I saw your videos um which are what the things that I will be talking with you today about um is the dancing that you do and how it um helps you and has been helping you throughout time and in your journey of this um with your healing and expression um so yeah um let's just start with i guess um sharing your experience on how you um what it was that introduced you to to dance and use that as a uh, a way to express and uh, heal and yeah yeah um <clears throat> it's funny because I like I didn't it was sort of accidental um I I went to Bali um in 2019 um right when my when my ex-husband and I first separated um I one of the things that I knew um I knew I really needed that I wasn't getting, um, not necessarily from him, but just, you know, as a, as a natural byproduct of being together for 10 years and meeting when I was about 22. Um, mm. I had, I had really didn't have a sense of who I was without him. I didn't have a sense of who I was as just Rachel. And so, um, something that I really needed to, to do for myself, um, was kind of, uh, figure out who I was just, on my own. Mm. So I went to Bali, which I quickly learned is something a lot of people do when they're trying to find themselves. Um, and a friend of mine invited me to an ecstatic dance, which I had never heard of before. Um, and I was kind of, 
it's it's called ecstatic dance oh okay yeah yeah and um I was in this sort of like you know sort of season of my life where I was gonna just say yes to new things in an effort to sort of push myself outside my comfort zone and Mm. uh, find out what I liked and what I didn't like and so I went to this dance not really knowing what it was it was like at 11 o'clock in the morning um outside at this big sort of like yoga studio sort of setting on the beach and I, I arrived and the DJ was kind of setting up and the DJ said, okay, everyone, we're, we're going to get started. Um, the only rules are this, um, don't touch anyone, don't talk, no cell phones, and there's no right way to dance. And I kind of mm-hmm. thought, well, this is interesting. And, uh, and I kind of, I kind of loved that there were no rules about the movement. And I quickly like learned that the people that were there had, had been doing, you know, had been going for a long time because they were so comfortable with this way of moving that had nothing to do with choreography or looking sexy or dancing with someone or like, it was not about I'm here to look a certain way or move a certain way. It was just about, I'm here to move my body and express myself. Mm. And so I spent, I spent probably the first 30 minutes kind of like sort of just, you know, bopping back and forth and mostly observing everyone else until Mm -hmm. I got comfortable enough to get out of my own head and stop watching everyone else and tune into my own body and think Mm -hmm. about, well, how does my body want to move? Like, clearly no one here is watching me. Nobody gives a shit what I'm doing. Um, I'm, you know, like, I'm so in my head about what's everyone else doing and what am I supposed to be doing? And I quickly realized, like, nobody's here for that. There's no what's the right way. It's just what does your body want to do? And so I kind of tuned into myself and tried to just focus on, like, how did my body want to move? And and I just, like, for the next hour, I just moved. It wasn't really about dancing. It was about moving and jumping Mm -hmm. and squealing and shaking and crying. And, like, at one point, I was laying on the floor like next to this other woman and we were just looking at each other and I was crying and she was just looking at me and it was just like this very surreal experience um that I was not expecting to have um and so I kept going back and um and I don't really know you know it it was interesting because I kept going back to to ecstatic dance and loved it and a few months later I launched my blog and started mm-hmm. using Instagram as like a platform. And I kind of, I made this mission of, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to start writing in a way, in a, you know, way to hopefully help people feel less alone. And over the course of the next few months, I, um, I just kind of found myself like dancing in my room, um, you know, to like one song as a way to like, just kind of like move and get in my body. And, um, and I was talking to my therapist about it and I kind of told her about how I was like, I would just like dance around or like I'd talk mm-hmm. to her about my like, going to ecstatic dance. And she said, well, you know, Rachel, that's, um, it's a form of somatic healing. And mm-hmm. I'd never heard that word somatic before. And I said, what do you, what does that mean? And she explained it to me and she said, you know, there's a lot of information stored in the body specifically around trauma and shaking is a way to process um stress it's a way to release hormones and you know move hormones through and out the body and like you see animals like a dog or a horse after it's startled it'll kind of go and like kind of shake out its limbs because it's how we biologically like move those stress hormones out 
Wow. And she said, so it's, um, it's actually a way to like shaking and jumping around is a great, a great thing to do after you get stressed out. Like if you have a stressful conversation or conflict or get nervous or anxious, like just go shake and your body will move those hormones. Um, but it's also a really powerful way to reconnect with your body after years of trauma, when we, we really lose that connection, that mind body connection really gets severed. And so when she kind of like told me, I'm like such a geek about science and psychology. So when she kind of told me about the mechanism, like neurologically and biologically, mm -hmm. I was, I was hooked. I was like, okay, that's it. I'm dancing every yeah. day. Like, um, and so that's kind of how it started. It was just, it was so, super on accident. And, um, and then I learned, I learned more and then I was like, okay, this is a, this is a real thing. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah, so that's kind of how it started. Wow. That's beautiful. Cause I, it's so, it's, it's so funny to think about how, because I feel the same way about when I saw your TikToks and just the way that you explain now that not only like we dance, but we also move our body and like I, it was in the summer for me that it started and I was doing it outside, also a little bit inside, but mostly because I've always been told that like dancing is only for like the clubs and mm -hmm. That's always like the, the the older I've grown and the more I've been thinking about these things, um, I realized how much have been um, stuck or just um, building up in my body. And then when I like start this and just got, like you said, um, hooked on this, I just could feel it like um, it just, um, it got me in a way that uh, I, my body just and I think that's what happens when when we uh, are aware that um it makes a difference for us in a way that like, like that yeah yeah um, it's it's funny too because it's sort of like it's ironic because the whole I the whole idea about dancing to heal is mm -hmm. that we reconnect with our bodies yeah. and so much of that is about trusting our bodies to be wise and smart and tell us mm -hmm. what they need and then listening yeah. and yet so many you know myself included like until I up here in my brain understood how it worked I didn't trust it like it's a sort of like funny thing of like my body knew that dancing felt good but that mm -hmm. wasn't enough I needed to I needed to know up here in my brain like I needed something analytical to go oh so the way I feel that feels good. Mm -hmm. Like there's a reason, but it's funny because the mm -hmm. whole idea is to get to this place of trusting without needing to know yeah. and get to the place of like, well, if it feels good, why do I need to question it? Why do I need a bit better mm -hmm. answer? You know, why do I need something mm -hmm. that came out of a book? What if, what if my body is just that smart and if it feels good, that's enough. Yes. Um, and that's something that I've been really wrestling with lately is like, getting out of my head more like the more I can get out of my head and and the more I can just trust that if something feels good then that's enough mm. um you know the more joy and peace I find in my life um mm. because I'm not, I'm not looking for something more I'm not looking for 
a better answer than it just feels not it just feels good yes <laughs> Where, yeah you know yeah um yeah yeah okay yeah yeah because I also I I've played a lot of soccer and I still do that but in this time period where I've kind of had a hard time and been beginning to therapy again I have struggled to actually go to soccer um, because of some social anxiety I have found out it to be um, or I'm realizing and um, I realized that the dance kind of gave me some of the same things as that used to be but also some different things that in the fact that it allows me to move my body in a way that I haven't allowed myself before and to feel things that I, I haven't allowed myself to do before and that was also what I saw throughout your TikToks and your videos because that as a woman and or as women and like you've shared on your social media we are just taught to act in a certain way or be in a certain way or not be too much or not be too little or all these things and yeah using this way to yeah as you say take control over our own body um yeah. and how um how have you like um How have you come to realize um, that this is actually like what happens to us um, throughout like um, knowing it, but also feeling it and having conversations about it with your therapist? How has that unfolded for you? Yeah, it's a good question. I, you know, I've been in therapy for a really long time. I, I first time I went to therapy, I was fifteen before mm. this month. So it's, you know, I've, I've been in therapy for a very long time. Yeah. But all of my, all of the therapy I had been in, from I would say the first like fifteen years of my life was focused on talking. It was focused on my thoughts, and it was focused on talking. Mm. And it wasn't until I, I started working with um, my last therapist, you know, a few years ago that I started to learn about the mind body connection. And she taught me a lot about, um, well, actually that's not true. I, I went to, so I studied, um, I studied psychology in grad school. Um, cause mm -hmm. that was my, one of my plans that many, many life plans that, um, has, you know, gone different directions, but, um, I was mm -hmm. going to be a therapist for a while. And so I went and studied psychology and one of the books that we were assigned, I had took a, a course, one of the courses was on um, post-traumatic stress disorder. And one of the books that we had to read was The Body Keeps the Score. And in that book, the um, the author, who's a, he's a trauma psychologist, and um, he talks about the, the way, um, he talks about the way that the brain and the body work together and what happens when we're, when we experience not only a traumatic event, but just 
general stress. And he explains really beautifully what happens in the brain during a stressful experience and how certain processes that normally happen when we are moving about through life um, just get bypassed. They get cut off because the body goes into survival mode and the brain goes, okay, these things that I normally need to do, like digest, um, you know, feel pleasure or um, have a nice resting heartbeat, like certain things just are like, that does not matter right now. Something is dangerous. So we have to focus on surviving. And when we experience something traumatic, um, that's a, that's a big, big moment of shutting everything else down. Um, or when we experience ongoing stress, that's repeated experiences of shutting everything else down, which means our brain and our body are having disconnects. Um, and whether that happens in a really big, severe way or multiple times, um, you know, over the course of our life, our brain and our body just start to, to not work together. And, um, and that might not show up in ways that seem, you know, that important until all of a sudden it's really, it's a big deal. Like it might mean that we, um, we have trouble like, you know, listening to our hunger cues or regulating our bowel movements or Mm -hmm. going to the bathroom, um, or difficulty with like our, our heart rate or digestion, um, or, um, just a general feeling of like not really knowing what our body is communicating to us um, or difficulty remembering things. Uh, Memory is a huge Mm -hmm. part of that process that just gets bypassed because brain is like, we don't need to remember. We don't need to focus on like, how do I store this memory in my hippocampus? Mm -hmm. The brain's like, no, 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 it's just danger. Like let's just survive. Um, So these small things that might not seem like a big deal start to add up. And then, um, you know, people will experience, chronic pain or IBS or, um, difficulty focusing, you know, things like ADHD or, um, just, just generally feeling on edge. Um, and, uh, you know, stress and trauma really impacts the body in a big way. And it's a, it's a loop system. And so, you know, when our body constantly is not doing the things that it needs to do, like digest or sleep or, or focus, um, that then communicates back to the brain that something might be wrong. And then the brain starts to think, oh, is there danger when there might not be danger? And so then it just becomes this constant feedback Mm -hmm. loop of I'm always in danger. Um, And that's, you know, when we start to experience like panic attacks or like severe anxiety um, or folks who have, you know, PTSD or have experienced anything traumatic, you know, just a, a deep sense of mistrust in the world. Um, and that the, and the world just doesn't feel safe. So I think when I read this book and then also when my therapist and I started talking about the mind body connection, it just, something just really clicked for me. And I was like, Oh, like this makes so much sense. Um, because it's not, I don't know. I just, I think in a lot of ways it was also very validating because, I think for a long time, I thought there was something wrong with my brain mm-hmm. or there was something wrong with me. Um, or I just, you know, grew up with the worst, the worst upbringing ever. And I was not able to tolerate it. And learning about all of this was like, no, I, I actually did exactly what this body and brain would do in that situation. Like my brain just was responding to what was there and doing what it's supposed to do, which is try and survive. And I just didn't have the tools or the knowledge to go, oh, this is not a, this is not a situation that I have to cut myself off from my body with. And the way for me to 
move through this is to stay present with my body so that I can keep that connection alive. But mm-hmm. I didn't know that because yeah. nobody taught me. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was kind of like my introduction was reading that book and then um, through conversations with my therapist and then just my own curiosity, um, mm-hmm. doing more reading, more research. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's really uh, interesting and something that I've also been thinking about is that, yeah, we don't get taught to like um, sit and just be with ourselves. That's not something that uh, is in the school. Um so yeah, it it, uh, it really can come can come um, depending on who you are and like yeah what you're curious about I guess um, kind of as a shock and for me it also was a big real realization of wow I can. Uh, I can actually like handle this in another way or um, there is a way to like figure this out also and it is not not something that um, is wrong with me um and it's not it's not um yeah like the feeling I've got from others and yeah so that's that's very um interesting to dive into um, um my um uh, how has it been like now for the like the the past years has that been different or yeah um has there been I don't know, have you had any newer um kind of discoveries um from your curiosity um about this? Um that I think yeah, I mean I think the only things that I've discovered or that has changed in the last, you know, especially the last year is um, just taking pressure off of myself to have to constantly mm. be healing. <laughs> like so much of my life has been focused on getting better. Um, mm-hmm. And I started that itself became a focus of perfectionism. Like mm. I, I just, it was like, I took, I took the ways that I was putting pressure on myself um, to be perfect and, mm. um, everything figured out like I went to therapy and I learned to relieve that pressure so that I didn't have to be perfect so that I could Mm. make mistakes make mistakes or let people down or say no to things like I was like oh I can you know I get to to have boundaries and be a person and blah 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 but then that perfectionism I started to then attach to healing and Mm. um and I started to get hyper fixated on this notion that I needed to be like perfectly healed and so now I think like there's, I'm, you know, the same way that I was sort of saying earlier, like, what if I just didn't have 
answers. What if something felt good and then that was enough? And in the same way, like, what if I didn't have to be healing all the time? What if I could just wake up today and not journal Mm -hmm. and not meditate and just go eat my breakfast, (laughs) do whatever work I have to do, do something that feels good, talk to a friend, make my dinner, watch some Mm -hmm. Netflix and go to bed. What if I just did that today? Would that be okay? And, um, and it's interesting because I get, you know, like, I get anxiety about like, oh, I'm not, uh, I'm not healing enough or I'm not like, mm, you know, yeah. I'm not, and it's almost like, it's almost like, a, you know, taking, it's like an obsession with the gym or macros and mm-hmm. like nutrition. Like you shouldn't, it's really bad for your body to go to the gym every single day. And it's not good for the, the mind to be hyper fixated on, on, you know, how many calories or macronutrients I'm eating on a daily basis. Like that's just a recipe for severe anxiety. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. I like just to use it as a metaphor, like yeah. I was starting to, to apply that same notion with my mental health and that, like, I need to be journaling, meditating, um, and like really reflective every day and self-aware and like doing something for my mental health every day. It's like, well, what if you just did, what if you just were a person today, Rachel, mm-hmm. like, um, and if what you want to do is journal, then great. If yeah. that feels like it's going to bring you some joy, go for it. But mm-hmm. like, it might be yeah. okay to just exist. And mm-hmm. so I think that's been a big thing for me this year is like, just taking some pressure off myself to like, have to be in any kind of state of like, alert, like I've got to learn more about my, my mind body connection and be a, you know, a master of my nervous system and like, what if I just was a person, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, yeah. So that's been my, like, I think my lesson this year. Mm. Okay. Yeah. How do, I know balancing is the right word for that, but yeah, how do you balance that? Like the, the thing between wanting to do better, but also not um coming to the way that you are hyper fixating on it it's a really good question um i think that it's like i think what helps is having goals so like if yeah. we use the fitness we use the fitness analogy mm-hmm. which i think is like familiar for a lot of folks like um thinking about like well what are my goals so if, like if fitness is what we're talking about like is my goal that i want to run a marathon in six mm-hmm. months if that's my goal my training is going to look really different than if my goal is to lift in an Olympic lifting competition, right? Mm-hmm. Or if my goal is to um, uh, lose weight, or if my goal is to put on some muscle, whatever that might be, that's yeah. going to inform what my training looks like. And so in the same way, like thinking about my mental health, like, well, what are my goals? Like, is my goal um, to maintain the the state of peace that I've achieved to this point. And, and mm-hmm. if that's the case, then I just continue to do the things that I've been doing that I know work. Mm-hmm. But if my goal is like, Hey, you know what? I, you know, I just started dating and I've noticed that like, I get super, super anxious and uh, insecure. So like my goal is to work on my attachment. Then the things that I'm going to do throughout the week or in therapy are going to be focused on that particular goal. Mm-hmm. And so I think like having a goal really helps because then we get to start to think about like, 
milestones. We get to start thinking about like actionable things that like are moving us Mm. towards that goal. And then there's not this overwhelming sense of like, I have to do it all right. In the same way, like if we don't have any fitness goals, it's like, well, do I, so I need to be running and lifting and stretching and swimming and walking and getting my step. Well, it's too much. (laughs) It's, it's a lot. Right. And in the same way, it's like, if I'm trying to heal my anxious attachment and my trauma and my eating disorder and my depressed, like that's just too much. And so mm-hmm. figuring out like, what is my priority right now? What, what is the thing that hurts the most? And, and how do I, how do I look at that right now to try and mm-hmm. figure out what my goals are and what I'm going to do right now? Um, mm-hmm. So I think that, that that's like a good way to find some balance because then we can let ourselves off the hook for things that, that doesn't mean that like, you know, in six months, I'm not going to go, okay, you know what? I really need to look at the sexual trauma that I haven't really looked at yet. Or yeah, you know what? I'm noticing that there's some eating disorder stuff that's coming up and maybe that should be my focus. But Mm. by saying, you know what, right now I'm focusing on my attachment or whatever the particular thing is. Mm. I'm not, I'm not saying to myself, those things are never going to be looked at. It just, I'm giving myself permission to not have to look at everything. Mm. So um, I think that's a way to find balance. Yeah. That's a really good, healthy way to look at it. Mm, Yeah. And you said um you mentioned um i don't know what you what you use but sexual healing or what was it mm-hmm. uh like uh like healing sexual trauma yeah yeah um um how how would you describe that it that dancing has we have kind of talked about it, um, but how do how do you how would you describe that it has helped you, um, in relation to the way that your upbringing might have been in in case of how women have been expected to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think dancing has been very empowering for me because like for a Mm. lot of reasons and, um, you know, I'm, this is something I'm still constantly working through. Um, it's a, it's a process, but Mm. feeling like my body is here to be of service to men. Um, Mm. and this this notion that like this physical form that I'm in is somehow Mm. is, is an object for other people. And, um, which it's not, but that's been so ingrained in me. And so anytime I dress a certain way, move a certain way, um, or behave a certain way, I have these automatic thoughts of like, oh, I'm asking for something or, oh, I'm in, I'm communicating X, Y, and Z. And I have to constantly check in with myself and go, no, I'm not. This is my body is nobody's, but mine and nothing I do with it is is any kind of invitation for anything it is not consent for anything the only consent that can ever happen is when it comes out of my mouth mm. and um and so i think dancing has been a really wonderful way for me to allow myself to move in ways that feel really good um and sensual and sexy without mm, this yeah. attachment to it being bad or it meaning that i'm um that i'm communicating something because it's it, it and it might be right. Like I might be dancing with a partner or in 
a group of people and maybe I am commuting, communicating something with my body, but only I get to decide that mm-hmm. someone observing me does not get to decide what I'm communicating. Wow. And, um, and I think like allowing myself to feel sexy was like a really mm-hmm. big deal because, um, for so long I felt like what sexy was had to be defined by the male gaze and what a man thought. And yeah it so doesn't like I get to decide what feels sexy for me and I get to decide what like that expression is. Um, and I think so, like, I think in a lot of ways it was empowering to be able to kind of like kind of get that understanding. Um, but also like, you know, the the other thing that happens with with sexual trauma, um, -hmm. is same thing with any other trauma is that disconnect from the body. Mm. And so, I also, you know, dance has been a way for me to reconnect with my body and listen to what my body is saying and move in ways that feel good and don't, and not move in ways that don't feel good. Um, and breathe and like, and allow myself to breathe into my belly and let my belly expand and not have that be such a bad thing. And, um, Mm -hmm. just notice like certain like sensations I have physically, which are all things that are really important when we're in any kind of sexual contact with someone like any kind of level of intimacy um for me historically has been very very much disconnected from my body I'm, i just mm-hmm. have you know from my history with sexual trauma anytime i would get in be intimate with someone i was immediately immediately just like i'm only in my head and nothing that's happening in my body is even relevant anymore and um i didn't even know that i was dissociating until you know, years after starting therapy, I didn't know that that was even what I was doing. And, Mm. um, and so dance was a really great way for me to reconnect with my body on my own. Um, but then also like dancing with other people is a way to, to sort of have that experience of, okay, I'm connected to my body. I can feel what feels good, but now I'm willing to let other people be in my Mm. space. And I want to connect with you. Like whether it's, we're just like, you know, (laughs) bumping fists, by one another or making eye contact and smiling or like moving back and forth we're having to figure out how to be in flow I have to figure out how do I stay connected to myself but also with you and I think that that's been a big like a really cool like um a really cool way for me to to rewire those neural pathways around Mm -hmm. staying connected to my own body while staying connected to somebody else is through dance so when I'm when I'm dancing with other people those two things have to be not have to be firing right like I have to be connected to my own body which is the work I do by myself when I'm dancing of like what feels good what do I want to do where do my hips want to be what's the beat what's the music how's that feel in my body but then also taking that into a space where there's other humans around and going how do I keep that connection I've I've made for myself but also enjoy this energy with you and have this back and forth exchange and and that starts to be like it's it was clunky as fuck like, at first. And it still is sometimes like, I'm like, Oh wait, wait, I forgot how to dance because there's other people around and you're watching me. And this is weird. Oh. Like, you know, like so anxious. Um, but the more, you know, the more I would do it, the more it was almost like I, there was no more thinking and like my body knows how to do this and I know how to connect with you and we're, we're jiving and we're vibing and being mm-hmm. able to get that happening in the brain is rewiring those same pathways that need to occur when we have any level of, of connection or intimacy. Um, so I think that has been like a very, a very powerful thing too. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's absolutely been there for me too. Um, and I'll say if it's really nice to hear this uh, from you um, because it's it's something that I have been that or that I've been becoming aware that I have been thinking too much about unconsciously and I think that um yeah we all whether we are aware of it or not I think um experience it because of the way that the world and the culture um has like raised or say that but um but it's so nice to hear it from someone and wanting to speak about it and i'm also getting so emotional because of that because just hearing like the words putting into it and trying to do that being brave enough to do that and show that it's also okay to be seen in such vulnerable way um yeah that's really powerful and so we thank you for that and wanting to share that um and um yeah um how um I've kind of lost words now, but I really don't need, <laughs> I don't really either have more questions. Um, but I think that what I would like to ask you as one of the last things, also there's um this Zoom one has only a minute left. So if it's if it's going to close, I'm, I'll just uh, call you up again. Um, but if it's okay with you, I'll just have a question or a thing more to. Uh, touch on before we end yeah that's okay okay um but yeah the one thing the one last thing i would like to talk with you about is just i guess uh, sorry about that but, okay <laughs> um need to figure out another solution so i don't have to put up but um <laughs> um so the last question i'd like to ask you is about way that you use social media um and i guess also because i'm i'm very inspired by the way you do but also how if other or yeah others who want to like maybe get a piece of or like um i don't know how to um like being inspired by you how do you um by what you do how is it that you um yeah just actually do what you do like um um by um how do you think that you your work and the way you put energy and value into evolving the way 
like that the that norms and society um that the outlook is on expression today for women and how do what how do you try to or how would you describe that you try to um or you do this um if that makes sense i think so um you know i was i had a really clear um mission when i started using social media and the mm-hmm. internet in general um i just my my only goal was to make one person feel less alone mm-hmm. um and i think because i was really clear on on what it what my reason was what my why was mm-hmm. uh, i've been able to like come back to that in times when i'm um lost or stuck or insecure mm-hmm. or defeated or um off track I you know I come back to like why is it that I'm actually doing this why am I why do I decide to wake up and post (laughs) something on an Instagram story why do I email you know people in my mailing list about anxiety why do I write blog Mm -hmm. posts why why do I make journals why you know why am I getting up Mm -hmm. and doing this and I come back to my reason and you know and I think that that has you know evolved in a lot of ways over the years and because of that, you know, the, the message that, that I put out is often really different and varied and, mm. uh, multifaceted, multifaceted, um, mm. uh, and serves, you know, lots of different functions, but the, the root of it all is to make one person feel less alone. And so I think by being really clear on that, um, it's, it's helped me kind of have this sort of tether to always come back to. So like, as I grow Oh, you know, I might like move back and forth around that single line Mm. and sometimes I kind of fall off of it quite a bit, but I can kind of come back to that. And that keeps me sort of like on one, on one, Mm. you know, track, um, so to speak. Um, and I think that's been what has kept me going truthfully Mm. because there have been so many times, so, so, so many times over the last few years that I had just wanted to stop. I've just been Mm -hmm. like this, I don't, I'm not making enough money. Nobody gives a shit. Mm -hmm. Like what, what's the point of all of this? Like I'm stressed, I'm burned out. I'm doing too much. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to just stop. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. And Mm -hmm. every time I get to that point, I come back to, well, why am I doing this? And, um, and, and will my life feel meaningful? Um, if I, if I let go of that and, so it's a constant, like, you know, I have to constantly kind of check back in with myself because it's very hard. Um, yeah. cause the only, the only person that's telling me what to do every day is me. I don't have a boss. Mm-hmm. I don't have a contract. I don't have, you know, deadlines or tasks. Like if I don't get up in the morning and say, okay, Rachel, this is what we're going to do. Then, you know, nothing, nothing happens. So I have to really check in with myself a lot around why I'm doing what I do um and just keep evaluating if it makes sense to keep mm-hmm. doing it so, yeah 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 that's yeah that's different right when you're doing it by yourself you have to check in when it's something that lights and that is so um yeah important and lights the light inside one um 
So that was quite that, but I actually forgot a question in the side. So if that's okay, we can uh, yeah. close on that one. Um, so what? when was it that you um, found out about or um, realized that you uh, could go to therapy and uh, that that was a thing that could help you and that we in general as a human can chose to open up and uh, talk and um, heal, help us self-heal from things with this? Yeah, it wasn't until um, maybe 10 years after I first started going to therapy that I thought, oh, this is helpful. Oh. <laughs> um, I, I uh, When I first went to therapy, it was not by choice. I was like 15 mm. or 16 years old and I was struggling with anorexia and my mom kind of caught on to what was happening and mm, okay. took me to a doctor, took me to a therapist and I, I had no interest in getting better. Um, I was very happy to be living in my eating disorder and wanted nothing to do with my therapist who was some like middle-aged man who I thought was mm. just could never possibly understand, you know, a teenage girl struggling yeah. with an eating disorder. And my doctor who was just like perfectly thin. And I thought, fuck you. What do you, what do you know? Like you've got a great body. You know, I was so fixated on mm. one thing, which was I needed to change my body and nobody was going to stop me. And, mm. um, and I also just didn't think that the thoughts I was having or the feelings I was having were anything other than, I just, I just don't like the way I look. Like it didn't, it just didn't seem like it was anything else. And there was also, um, nothing, you know, available to me or anyone at that time. It was like mm -hmm. 2005, I think when I first went to therapy, yeah. there was no such thing as there was MySpace, but there was no, that was like the only social media that existed. Um, most of the information I got about, you know, my body or dating was from, like a tabloid magazine, like star or us weekly or whatever. Um, and there was no, there was no education in school about mental health. You know, it was a very, very stigmatized thing. Like if you went to therapy, like yeah. something was really, really wrong. Yeah. So, um, I was very much isolated in my own mind around, uh, what was normal and what was not normal, what was acceptable, what was not acceptable. And I, I went, I went to therapy by choice for the first time in college when I, um, was, I was suicidally depressed and, um, I actually attempted to take my life my second year of college. And after that, I started to go to therapy voluntarily mm. and, um, I still wasn't like, Oh, this is great. I was just kind of like, well, I think this is what I'm supposed to do, but also I think that there's something really wrong with me and it's very shameful that I have to come here. And I don't know, it just didn't seem like something that was, um, beneficial. And, mm -hmm. uh, if it more felt like I just, I'm, I have to do this because I'm a problem to solve. And clearly there's something problematic with me. Yeah. And it wasn't until like maybe five years later, um, you know, years after I had met my now ex-husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, we were living together mm -hmm. and I was relapsing in my eating disorder. And, um, and he sat me down at dinner one day and said, Rachel, um, you have an eating disorder and it's, and I really want you to get some help because I think it's getting really bad. And there was something about his concern and like directness with me that felt 
like unnervingly loving. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I agreed to go to seek treatment and I went to eating disorder, um, treatment, which was like a, you know, intensive outpatient program that lasted several months. And I was in a group therapy and learning dialectical behavior therapy skills and having a nutritionist and a psychiatrist and working with people at mealtimes. And it was the first time I'd ever been in group therapy. And I remember being in my first group therapy session and I just, I just sat there in silence. Like I didn't say, I didn't say a word. I just sat there listening to other women talking about their thoughts and their experiences. And I remember thinking two things. I remember thinking, how the fuck are you so comfortable talking about this? (laughs) And thinking like, what, like nothing's coming out of my mouth. Like good luck getting me to talk. And then the second thing I thought was, oh my God, I have had every single thought that these people are saying. Mm. And it was one of the most relieving experiences to to know that I was not alone, to know that the things I was feeling and thinking were not isolated to me. It was not a me problem. It was a my disorder problem. And it was not a me problem. It was a culture problem. It was not a me problem. It was a, a, a you know, a, the way I was up uh, brought up problem. And to be able to remove the problem from me and look at it from the outside and go, oh, uh, other people experience this too from having similar things, you know, in their life. Um, which means if we all have this similar thing that we're dealing with, then they're, then the, the, the thing that they're giving me to help must actually help because it's not actually an issue with me. And it's an issue that many people experience, which means that there's actually a remedy. And so I finally was willing to give therapy like an actual go. Um, and, and I did. And I think after, after that program, that was when I decided to go get my master's degree. Cause I was like, that was the, you know, that was an amazing experience. I want to be able to pay it forward. I want to, I want to go, um, become a therapist and, and work in an eating disorder facility and help other women have the same experience that I had. Um, and that was, I think my sort of initiation into, oh, this stuff works mm-hmm. and we need to, we need to talk more about, um, the fact that we all experience a lot of things things that we don't talk about. We just need to talk more. And so I, I think I started to get really interested in advocacy and speaking up more about my own story and, um, destigmatizing mental health and just adding language in places where there was no language. Um, so I think that was kind of the, the, the pivoting moment for me. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's a very touching story. Um, and very relatable in some points or in similar ways. Um, so, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, of course. And yeah. Um. Ah, oh, yeah. That's uh some things to learn on. Wow, I really appreciate that. Um. And yeah, that you are one of the persons that uh, care and are aware to uh, and want to do a difference in this um, for people like yeah, Bluffs and all the us. Um, so yeah, thank you for being here on the podcast and sharing all of this. Um, yeah, that was really. I don't know if you have anything 
left on say no just thank you so much for having me I really it, it means a lot and um I just appreciate you mm. being a part of this web of creating more conversations so thank you yeah yeah thank you um and uh, yeah if you want you can go to follow Rachel on socials also um Rachel Hapecast on uh, TikTok and Instagram and uh, go to her website and check out some of her stuff that she's done um really inspiring and really helpful so and yes that was all I just had for this one so yeah I just um uh, yeah that's all or uh, end with here and um,